Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. Are you doing the best for your client to help them create their legacy? Are you creating a plan that goes far beyond finances to help people ensure that it becomes the driving force behind all decisions? On this podcast, hosts Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller will help you with growing your practice and your client's peace of mind. Together, they bring the best and brightest minds to share with you how to help your clients develop their best legacy. And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. This is Michael Clandon with Legacy Leaders Podcast. Welcome to this episode. I am joined with Gordon Fisher from Gordon Fisher Law Firm in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Welcome, Gordon. How are you today? Michael, I am terrific. I am so grateful for you having me on. I'm delighted, very excited to talk with you. So well, good great. day and thank you. Yes. Well, we're just across the, across the town from each other. So not very, very far. close. We could have easily done this in person. We're doing. Well, I know. I know. We're doing. But, but someday uh, we will get together, Gordon. Sometime. Absolutely. Someday. Okay. Someday soon. <laughs> so, um, Gordon, why don't you just kind of start off with our li- talking to our listeners about you and your practice? Yeah, Michael. Well, uh, I have a, a one pony uh, law firm, just me. Uh, as you mentioned, it's uh, rather unimaginatively named Gordon Fisher Law Firm. Uh, the mission of my law firm is to promote uh, charitable giving uh, in Iowa, promote and maximize charitable giving in Iowa, meaning that I work with nonprofits in a variety of ways, helping them with their legal problems. And then I also do estate planning, since uh, that is a major way that folks can give charitably, uh, is through their estate plan. Uh, so that that's my practice in a nutshell. I've been doing it for about 10 years. Okay. Previous to that, I was with a large firm in Des Moines, large, absolutely wonderful firm. It was a tough decision to leave, but ultimately wanted to strike out and, uh, you know, work with nonprofits and those that fund them. Great. Now- Looking at your bio, you have five core services that you offered. I know you just mentioned a couple of those. Estate planning, which is anything from simple wills to complex trusts. Correct. Absolutely right. Everything from simple wills to complex trusts. So uh, I will work with really any sort of economic class group or all sorts of different families or single people. I don't really have, maybe I should have, but I'm, uh, I, I don't really have a target audience. Right. I'm just trying to help folk uh, with their with their legacy, as you as you said. Well, we know there's a lot of people that have not done this planning. As you will probably know, a lot of clients come to you with none of this planning done. So- yeah, there's been a lot of surveys, Michael, and uh, unfortunately, you know, they're a little bit all over the place as surveys can be. But uh, sadly, only about 50% of folk have even a basic will. And that's a little scary in that 100% of us are mortal <laughs> as far as we know. And, and uh, you know, not having an estate plan in place can really be a disaster for the family and friends that are left behind. Right. Can right. from a major headache to an absolute complete disaster that blows the family up. And it's actually pretty simple to do. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, it's one of those things everybody needs to to think about and needs to consider. And there are a lot of, Michael, you know, as you know, there are a lot of wonderful attorneys in Iowa that do this work and nationwide. So folks should really consider if they haven't done an estate plan, they really need to consider doing one. Also, if they've done an estate plan, 
but it's now outdated right. or outmoded. Right. You know, you did it when the kids were little, but now they're all adults and all across the country. Well, it's time to kind of re-up your estate plan. Yeah, I found that, uh, you know, a lot of people will have one and it's kind of like a one and done, right? And like you said, things change, kids get older, you know, and what are, I know you kind of mentioned this, what kind of misconceptions do you come across? You know, why people, part of it is knowing a good resource, right? But what are some misconceptions or reasons why people don't take this seriously? So people, a, a few things. I actually have run a couple surveys, very unscientific surveys through social, my social media. You know, I'm on, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. And so uh, I've done surveys through my social media channels and also my website, wordfisherlawfirm.com. And it's very unscientific, but they all the surveys kind of y- yielded similar results. People were worried. People didn't know who to go to. So I'd humbly hold myself out. There's also a number of wonderful attorneys, as I said, in this state and across the country. They didn't, they were worried it would be too expensive. And I have an estate planning questionnaire that's available to anybody off my website that has a, has a cost sheet in it. So you can know before you even start about how much it's going to cost. So cost was a concern. And then bank trusting once explained it to me like this. People do take it seriously. It's like eighth on their to-do list. The only problem is it never gets above that. And other things jump up ahead of sure. it. So, right. Priority. Yeah. And, you know, in fairness, people are very busy. You know, these days, everybody's very busy. You know, uh, we're in touch with our technology. We're in touch with our clients or, or customers or whatever business you're in more than ever before with the whole work thing, you know, kind of work, right. Work has spilled into all areas of our lives. In my case, that's fine. In other cases, baby people, I feel a little, right. I I think cost or concern about cost, finding the right person, and then a feeling that it just will be too complicated and just not carving out time. I think are Mm -hmm. the reasons people don't have estate plans. But again, I think we could address all those and, and really considering what can happen if you don't have an estate plan, uh, it really makes sense to take a little time or even a medium amount of time right. to set up your estate plan. Yeah. And just talking with you, it sounds like, you know, if I was coming in to see you as a client, it, it sounds like you're very easy, low key, easy to work with, you know, and trying to get down to the client's problems and finding the solutions that fit them and their families. If it takes multiple I've, times even. You know, yeah, at my best, I consider myself a problem solver. If you ask me, you know, what if I can use a hyphen and problem solver, I'm not sure that right, but if I could use the hyphen and problem solver, if you said one word to describe what I do, I would say problem solver. So, when folks, for example, don't have an estate plan, I come in with an estate planning questionnaire, I am pretty low key, pretty easy. I feel like I can get it along with a wide right. variety of different families. You know, I've been a lawyer for more than 25 years, so I haven't seen it all, but I've seen a lot. You know, right, right. And so I'm able to draw past experiences. And, uh, you know, the biggest compliment that I can get, well, two compliments I could get when I finish an estate plan that really please me. One is, wow, it was so much easier than I thought, which is mm-hmm. great. And two, I'm so relieved. I don't know why you didn't do this, you know, a lot earlier. So peace of mind. Right. And there's a third compliment that, and, and, you know, 
A third compliment is, hey, I have a friend. I have a family member that needs yeah. to talk to you. Right. And I operate almost exclusively uh, through referral. Right. Yeah. Being a lawyer for 25 years, hopefully you build up uh, some clients that enjoyed working with. Right. Kind enough right. to say, I have a neighbor, folks at my church, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, so the other the other four services, a lot of them deal with your nonprofit or, or not working with nonprofits. So you train nonprofit boards and staff on crucial uh, crucial topics, employment law guidelines for nonprofits, handling nonprofit compliance issues, and working with nonprofits and donors on complex gifts. So can we go into more on the nonprofits? Because that is that is kind of a, a, a niche market. When you say you really don't have, that is a niche market that you, you know, that others I haven't seen really tie into. Yes, it is. I, I have a niche practice overall. Uh, again, the mission is to promote and maximize charitable giving in Iowa. So uh, work with estate planning because that's a major reason or major, excuse me, a major vehicle to give to not bits. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, several as you just mentioned, several services, legal services that I offer nonprofits quite regularly. Sometimes nonprofit staff and frankly, especially nonprofit boards aren't fully aware of all the responsibilities they hold. Building a nonprofit is wonderful. Sometimes nonprofit founders or leaders, their passion outstrip their scaffolding, so to speak. In other words, they're so excited about their cause, they're marching <laughs> full speed ahead without necessarily having all the legal legal items that should be present right. place and, you know, following all the rules that the IRS uh, and state authorities lay down. So like to do training of nonprofits, boards especially, but also staff and also donors. Right. Occasionally, well, frankly, more than occasionally, I'll have a nonprofit get into a little bit of hot water. They'll do something that either they're concerned in retrospect wasn't proper or somebody has told them they weren't proper and I try to get them back on the right track. And so, again, going back to being a problem solver, Sometimes nonprofits find themselves in hot water and need a little bit of legal help to get them out of that and then hopefully learn from that and set up some some important legal, you know, legal support mm -hmm. policies. For example, I don't want to get too deep in the yeah. you, Michael, but there's a form IRS form nine ninety. That's the annual tax return, quote unquote, for nonprofits. And there are 10 policies that appear uh, on that form 990 that are referenced in that form 990. Right. They're not required, but they are asked about by the IRS. Mm -hmm. So I think, for example, just to start, nonprofits ought to have those 10 written policies for, you know, to, to talk about, you know, one thing that nonprofits should do, could do is to give you those 10 policies in place so their nonprofit operates that much more smoothly. Right. Should anyone question nonprofit, they can say, well, here's our, you know. They're in compliance. Yeah. Here's our policies. Uh, we follow all these. And let's get a little personal. Worse. What, what was your childhood look like? What was your childhood like? So my parents are German immigrants. My dad has passed away. My mom's still around. Uh, they grew up 
in, you know, some of your, you and I know what East Germany means, but mm-hmm. some listeners may, it's incredible to be incredible in a positive way that some of your listeners may not recognize East versus West Germany. Right. Correct. Now, quite a few years now, decades. In any case, my parents grew up on the, quote, wrong side of Germany, but since after World War II, it was divided into East and West Germany. My parents grew up under communism, uh, and my parents realized as young people, as young adults, that things were not great in East Germany <laughs> or So they made an escape. There was, I think they basically got over to West Germany through various means. And then from West Germany, of course, that was the quote unquote free part of Germany. From there, they came to the U.S. So not really knowing anyone, right. not knowing the language very well. My dad had Five hundred dollars, five one hundred dollar bills, <laughs> and uh, uh, almost lost his suitcase on a Greyhound bus. So it's five hundred dollars were almost lost. But with that, they were able to settle here uh, in the land of the free and home of the brave, and and right. an amazing life. Great, yeah. So, and what got you into the the legal system? So, you know, with my parents being German immigrants and East Germany being communist and, and you know, frankly, pretty repressive, you know, you no freedom of press, uh, right. you know, uh, just to give you an idea, when we go back to visit, you know, I have books, I'm quite a, a avid reader, I have books, the books would often be confiscated, you, you know, even comic books and so forth. So I think that gave me a feeling of injustice or or a feeling of justice versus injustice. Mm-hmm. And I also think maybe just a little more than folks that aren't the son of immigrants, I felt like we shouldn't take our freedoms here in the United States for all our problems and warts. Yeah. They're there, right? Yeah. But for all our problems and warts, we have a generally we have a great amount of freedom, you know, to read worship to you know, freedom of the press and so forth. So I always felt like lawyers were maybe on the front line. Lawyers, Michael, like you and me, are always on the front line of protecting those freedoms, right, in our various capacities. So I think that was really the the start of me being a lawyer. And Michael, then the other thing, the the, the admission, the big admission that I'm going to make in this interview is probably I'm not very good at anything else. So <laughs> I'm a good writer. I'm a good listener. I work hard and I, you know, I have all. So those are a few talents I have. And those generally come in handy for a lawyer. And I'm not sure what else I would be good at. <laughs> so, right, right. What, let's talk. Let's kind of talk about that. What's what's been one of the complex, or I mean, you can look at this either way: a complex situation or one of the lowest moments in your career that you came across, I guess, or have experienced. So, one of the things that has happened from time to time is nonprofits come to me and they are in uh, hot water with an author- legal authority like the IRS, right? Even they're non-exempt status, their status as a nonprofit has been revoked and they're basically back at square one. So it's a low, low point in that a couple things. One is, you know, we got to start the process all over, which can be time consuming and a little bit expensive. This, the, you know, the second, the second thing is that I think it's, uh, you know, s- something is wrong. Something, obviously if you're, you're in hot water, I guess it could just be bad, bad luck, but generally 
something is kind of broken at the heart of that nonprofit. And so going in there, rolling up your sleeves, opening the hood, really getting in there into the guts of the matter and seeing kind of what went wrong and how we can prevent it from happening again. That's always a little intimidating, right. even for me that's dealt with nonprofits for more than 25 years, because you're talking about almost bringing a nonprofit back from the dead, resuscitating right. a nonprofit. So that's always a bit intimidating, but it also, you know, on the flip side of that gives me the, a really good feeling when I'm successful. And I think I've almost always been successful in resuscitating non, but that right. is a very intense challenge for someone like sure. loves nonprofits, loves the work they do when they fall kind of uh, go astray or, you know, maybe even more than go astray, you know, drive straight into a ditch or something. <laughs> Getting them, pulling them out of that ditch can, can be a little bit of a challenge. Uh, sure. And uh, it's a good feeling, though, once we're, we're back road. So would you, would you say like this situation where, you know, hot water, would this be, a, would this be the same uh, type of story that would be the one that was your highest point of your professional career? Or do you have another example where you've been successful? Yeah, I mean, I think getting a nonprofit out of the dick that they've gotten themselves into and back onto the road is a very high point. Another thing I really enjoy is forming nonprofits or merging nonprofits. So in other words, a, a person or hopefully a group of people come to be, they have a great idea of how they can serve their community or, or even the, their state, and they want to start up this nonprofit to help people. And I can show them the way how to properly set up a nonprofit how to do it the best way, how to get it started off right, continue it right, put it on a good path. That's a really good feeling. And mm -hmm. then, you know, getting the official recognition from both the state of Iowa and the IRS that it's a go, you've got a nonprofit, right. a really good feeling too. Sometimes too, Michael, we'll run across nonprofits uh, that do similar, have similar purposes or similar mm -hmm. missions, and they realize they can combine or greater impact and merging nonprofits can be really fun too. You know, we have two nonprofits right. that have made the choice to work together to for greater efficacy. And that's really sure. well, because I know that they're going to continue to help people, but in an exponentially more speed. Right. Better together than alone. Better together. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Better, Better together. together. What's the best advice you've ever received? I feel like the best advice I've ever received is keep it simple. So while estate planning or nonprofit formation or policies and procedures for nonprofit can be complex, particularly as viewed by a non-lawyer, what you need to do is kind of break it down to component parts, right? So yeah. you look at all the 10 policies that every nonprofit should have you know, you would almost, you know, you might just pass out or give up, right? But if you look at each policy individually, and that's sort of the reasons behind each policy, why, why a nonprofit need each policy, it makes a lot of sense. And you take them individually, you know, you can explain it to the client, the client can handle it, and you can work out together. Right. So, Another thing I do for nonprofits is employment law, employee handbooks. And again, if you think about an employee handbook, yeah, it's, it's somewhat complex, right? There are 
lots of different things you could have in a, an employee handbook. But if you start out with four or five things, major things that you want to cut it off and then kind of build from there. So keep it simple. Keep it simple for yourself. Keep it simple for your client and just continue to make progress. Right. That's good advice there. So what drives you crazy about your business? Sometimes nonprofits level up. In other words, you know, there's different there's different levels in the cycle of a nonprofit. And sometimes nonprofits level up, but they don't le- kind of level up their legal infrastructure or their legal policies and procedures, their handbook, their board training, their board knowledge. And some now policies are very clearly see the need to do that. Other nonprofits sometimes don't for a long time, maybe until there's a problem. And and that's a little challenging because, again, sometimes nonprofits' passions outstrip their ability to work effectively and legally. So you got to, you know, yeah. nonprofits have to recognize that. And sometimes I feel like I, I could be better at communicating need for more legal, more legal problem solving that nonprofits could use. We right. mentioned yeah. planning earlier, mm-hmm. and one thing that's a little concerning is sometimes folks will actually, you know, download my estate planning questionnaire from my website, GordonFisherLawFirm.com, and they'll fill out the estate planning questionnaire. They'll see the cost sheet. They're okay with the cost. Mm-hmm. And I can't get them to take it the next step, even though they've gone to the trouble, you know, of, of filling it out. They understand what it costs. We probably had a couple of conferences and uh, it's, you know, I can't get them to the next step. Now, often I ultimately do get them to the next right. step. Sometimes I just can't, no matter. What's a, what do you think? What's the reason for that? Do you know? Or folks have built up some momentum and then something happens in their lives, you know, a kid thing, something to do with their kids, or, you know, maybe a a promotion at work or changes at their workplace or do challenges, you know, some sort of new challenge that throws them off the track and they find it hard to get going again. I'm really here to help them, to help put folks through the few stages you have to state plan. And I sometimes feel like I could be better at communicating that. Like I'm here to help. Tell me what yeah. your issue yeah. is and let's work on. So, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, like you said, you know, people, we can't want it better than them. You know, we can't want it more than exactly. them. Right. And sometimes it is a time, like you said, things come up, family things, holidays, there's always excuses. Right. Right. But it's, they just have to put it back as one of the top priorities. Cause as you all know, once it's done, it's good. For several years until they need to review it again. Yeah. You know? Well, the hard work, once it's done, the real right. hard work is done. Yes, it, it, it may well have to be redone at some point, right. depending on life circumstances. But once, you know, I, I compare it to a car, maybe I mean, it might be too simple. You know, it's got to get a tuma, tuna, sure. with gas in it. You know, a gasket might blow and you got to bring it in for repairs. But, you know, once you, you know, you've got the are you you you've done the hard work so you're well i right. i have one more question for okay. you all right what do you wish you knew now 25 years ago oh my gosh there is so yeah <laughs> there is so much i mean i think part of my the value that i have as someone who's done this for more than 25 years is i i've not seen everything but i've seen a lot of things and similar 
problems or similar issues come up. And of course, the more you see those problems or challenges or issues, the better you are at solving them because seeing them before, you know what works, what may not work as well. And so, you know, I would just say my overall experience has simply made me a better attorney because I'm able to issue, spot, troubleshoot, you know, things maybe even early in the process with a, you know, a hopefully a minimum of hassle for the client. How about right. what's something that you wish you knew? Oh my gosh. If I knew what, I mean, I always tell my kids, if I knew what you know now at your age, yeah, we would be retired probably. No, it, it's amazing working with young people, which I have done. I've been a little bit involved in politics and with my law firm, I've mm-hmm. worked with young people. I used to be with a big law firm, so it had young associates coming through. It's really incredible what young people know and how advanced they are, especially technologically, but also just generally, I think in life, I think there's a lot of hope for this next couple of generations. Right. I just want to touch base on the estate planning because that's primarily the focus, but what are some issues if people don't have the proper estate planning in place? If folks don't have the proper estate planning in place, we're all mortal. I mean, that's a that's a hard truth, but it is. Some people have to be reminded that. Yeah, well, we no, nobody likes to think of that particularly, but it's a fact. And then when we when we move on from this plane of existence, we you know really our friends and family without an estate plan are left without a clue of exactly what you want. Now, of course, as you know, the state of Iowa, if you're an Iowan or whatever state you live in, the state government will provide you essentially with an estate plan. But it's a very kind of rote, very simple estate plan with, you know, no flexibility whatsoever. For example, not not very attractive. It's not. There's a default. There's a default for unplanned estate plan. And again, it's your friends and family. In fact, it's the closer you are to these friends or to these family members, possibly the bigger headaches they have or the bigger hurt that they have. And unfortunately, I've sat with friends and family when they've lost a loved one without any sort of estate plan. And they're sort of like, what do we do now? Everything from, you know, uh, funeral services to what to do with their assets, what charities did they support? you know, tragically what to do, what, where should minor children who should raise minor children left behind. I mean, there could be some real heartache and heartbreak if somebody doesn't have an estate plan. On the positive side though, Michael, I think as you know, as a lawyer and some of our listeners at least will know, it's relatively easy to set up an estate plan. So You've got some doom and gloom I just talked about when you when you pass without an estate plan, you know, you really leave your friends and family in an unattractive place. However, the good news is that setting up a good estate plan is is pretty easy. And uh, I like to think I make it easy. I think there are lots of other wonderful estate planning lawyers that also make it easy. And so Folks should uh, put it on the top of the query list and, and get it done. They'll feel good about right, it. Right, right. Is there anything else that you, before we end this conversation, is there anything else that you want our watchers and listeners to know? Michael, I just want to thank you for <laughs> your time today. Thanks for having me on. And I want to encourage everyone listening to binge all the other episodes of your excellent podcast. 
<laughs> oh, that's great. So, Gordon, how do clients find you? I know you mentioned your website a couple of times. Why should go us and say that? And then anything else you, you know, contact wise? Yeah. So you can easily find about five things about me and find actually some free resources. I've got a, a state planning questionnaire available on my website. I've got a sample employee handbook for nonprofits available on my website. I have a, a handbook for nonprofit policies and procedures available on my website. Uh, that's GordonFisherLawFirm.com. You know, just type Gordon Fisher right. into your engine. Gordon and Fisher is F-I-S-C-H-E-R. Yes, C U R. Yes, F I S C H E R. The old German spelling, F I S C H E R. Gordon Fisher Law Firm, Iowa. You know, plug that into your search engine. Right. GordonFisherLawFirm dot com, and then my my email is Gordon at GordonFisherLawFirm dot com. So I'm pretty easy to find, and I've got other contact information on my website. Well, Gordon, thank you for joining us for this episode of Legacy Leaders Podcast. Hopefully we can get together soon and, and learn together and, and that. But thank you again for joining us and our listeners to learn about you. Once again, this is Michael Clannon, your host for Legacy Leaders Podcast. See you on the next episode. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.